0: Coming to you live from Haddonfield, Illinois, it's the Lunchtime Movie Review here on the MHM Podcast Network. Each episode, we look back at one of our childhood favorites to see if it stands the test of time. I'm Chad. And I'm Patrick. And today, we are reviewing 1988's Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, written by Danny Lipsius, Uh, Larry Ratner. And Benjamin Ruffner, and directed by Dwight H. Little. Today's horror classic stars Donald Pleasence, Ellie Cornell, Danielle Harris, and George Wilbur as Michael Myers. But before we begin, we have a word from our sponsor. Are you looking to have a killer time this Halloween? Are you hunting for that special someone who has been evading your clutches for years then the Haddonfield PD Escort Services are for you. Our trained public servants will escort you around town in the comfort of our squad cars to meet up with the object of your desires. Upon arriving at your destination, you can easily exit your transport and move freely to execute anyone who deters you from turning your trick or receiving a killer treat. That is the Haddonfield PD Escort Service where our cops do it by the book so our customers are blown away by all of their experiences. If you use the promo code LTMR today, you will receive a complimentary Cops Do It By The Book t-shirt, just like the shirt worn by that busty tramp Kelly Meeker in today's featured film, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Book your escort services today. So, Patrick, do you have a summary for us?
1: I do. Infamous serial killer Michael Myers is comatose after watching Halloween 3, the season of the witch. He's set to be transferred to Smith's Grove Sanitarium via an ambulance on the day before Halloween, because what better day to transport transport a killer who's known for killing people on Halloween than the day before Halloween. The transfer is against the wishes of Michael's treating physician, Dr. Sam Loomis, the man who tried to blow Michael and himself up at the Haddonfield Memorial hospital 10 years prior, but apparently he's not a ghost and he didn't die then. Although we were all led to believe that during the transfer, the comatose Michael overhears the ambulance personnel discuss Michael's next of kin, a previously unknown niece named Jamie Lloyd, who is the daughter of Lori Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis from the previous two films, or sorry, the first two films. Michael awakens and kills the transport staff, causing the ambulance to crash into a river. So they find the van down by the river. The next day, Dr. Loomis picks up Michael's trail at the crash site and tries to convince everyone of the danger that has been unleashed. However, law enforcement and hospital staff believe that Michael's body was likely washed away in the river. Nevertheless, Dr. Loomis proceeds to Haddonfield, believing that it is likely where Michael is heading. Dr. Loomis stops at a gas station along the way. He finds the gas station employees brutally murdered and Michael at the scene. Michael escapes in a tow truck, uh, indica- showing that he can drive again, hitting the gas pumps during his escape, causing an explosion that destroys the phone lines, conveniently, and Dr. Loomis's car. Loomis is forced to hitchhike his way to Haddonfield in order to stop Michael's murderous rampage. Meanwhile, Jamie is still mentally suffering from the deaths of her mother and father in a car crash which we will learn later in the series was faked so that she could be traumatized all by herself. And Lori could live a life, uh, I, I guess away from the fear of Michael coming after her. She, what a horrible mother. <laughs> she, yeah. lives, she lives with her foster parents, Richard and Darlene Carruthers in Haddonfield. The Carruthers have a teenage daughter named Rachel who cares for Jamie dearly. On Halloween night, R- Richard and Darlene head out to a party and leave Rachel to babysit, despite Rachel's desire to go to a party with her boyfriend, boyfriend Brady. Cause that's what good parents do is fuck you. We're not going to trick or treat with you. You go to yourself. I'm going to go get my drink on. Uh, Rachel convinces Jamie to go trick or treating after Jamie gets a clown costume. That is similar to the one Michael was wearing when he murdered his sister as a child. Michael arrives in town and begins to track Jamie throughout the town as she shops and tricks or treats that night. Michael goes to the power station and kills a worker by throwing him into a transformer, which knocks out all of the power to Haddonfield because this is the eighties and all power to one city comes only from one source. So there you go. Dr. Loomis arrives in town and goes to Sheriff Ben Meeker to warn him of Michael's escape. Sheriff Meeker believes Dr. Loomis and the two men, Sheriff Meeker believes Dr. Loomis and the two men go out on patrol to see if they can stop Michael. Meanwhile, Michael attacks the police station itself and kills nearly all of Meeker's deputies. Word of the danger gets around the town. Sorry. Word of the danger gets around to the town folk and a lynch mob is formed by the townspeople to kill Michael. A lynch mob? That sounds very familiar to a different uh, Halloween film. (laughs) Unfortunately, the lynch mob kills an innocent teenager who is merely dressed like Michael. Once again, seems very familiar to a different Halloween film. At the same time, Rachel finds Brady cheating on her with Meeker's daughter, Kelly, who's the sex pot of the film. Rachel finds them at, while she and Jamie stop at the Meeker house to trick or treat. Brady and Rachel argue, at which time Rachel loses track of Jamie. Jamie finds herself alone on the streets as parents start to pick up their kids when word of Michael being in town gets around. Michael begins to stalk Jamie until Rachel finds her and Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Meeker find them. With the sheriff's office in shambles, Sheriff Meeker takes Jamie, Rachel, and Dr. Loomis to his house where Brady and Kelly are still at. Sheriff Meeker summons his one lone remaining deputy back to the house for additional protection. Once the kids are barricaded in the house with the deputy, Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Meeker head back out to stop the lynch mob and to contact the state police. Meanwhile, Michael somehow sneaks into the Meeker house and kills Kelly and the deputy. Rachel, Jamie, and Brady eventually discover the bodies and realize that they are trapped in the Meeker house with Michael. The trio runs upstairs to the attic, and Rachel and Jamie attempt to escape the house by climbing on the roof. Brady heroically stays behind to fight Michael, who quickly dispatches the teenager by crushing his skull. Michael follows the girls out onto the roof. Jamie is lowered relatively safely to the ground, but Michael attacks Rachel, causing her to fall from the roof. But Rachel is only knocked unconscious. Alone, Jamie runs from a pursuing Michael until she finds Dr. Loomis on the street. Jamie and Loomis hide in a nearby school. Michael chases them and throws Dr. Loomis through a glass door. Alone again, Jamie runs through the building until she trips and falls down a flight of stairs. Michael closes in for the kill, but Rachel reappears and saves Jamie using a fire extinguisher, and not by hitting him with it, but spraying it in his face. The lynch mob arrives at the school after hearing the school alarm going off, Mob member Earl Ford and his three friends agree to take Rachel and Jamie to the next town in their truck for safety. They meet up with the state police on the road outside Haddonfield as the state police rush in to help Sheriff Meeker. Unbeknownst to everyone, including the audience, Michael is hidden beneath the truck. How? Don't know. Never saw him come (laughs) out of the fucking building, but they got underneath the truck. He climbs out and kills the lynch mob members, including the driver, Earl. Rachel pushes Earl's body out of the way and tries to shake Michael off the truck. She knocks Michael off the truck and then rams him with the truck, knocking him into a ditch near an abandoned mine. Sheriff Meeker, Dr. Loomis, the remaining lynch Lynchbomb members, and the state police all, for some reason, turn around and <laughs> arrive at the scene. Jamie approaches the seemingly unconscious Michael and touches his hand. Michael suddenly rises and everyone with a gun opens fire on the killer. Michael falls into an abandoned mine shaft and no one goes to check on the body. Afterwards, Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Meeker take Rachel and Jamie back to their house with Darlene and Richard. Darlene goes upstairs to prepare a bath for Jamie and is suddenly attacked. Dr. Loomis rushes upstairs to find an emotionless Jamie holding a pair of bloody scissors, probably upset that her foster mother did not take her trick-or-treating in the first place. Dr. Loomis begins screaming, no, repeatedly, and attempts to shoot Jamie. However, Sheriff Meeker stops the doctor. Rachel, Richard, and Meeker all stare in disbelief, as Doctor Loomis sobs on the stairway, the night knowing that the nightmare continues into Halloween Five, and that is Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers.
0: Okay, well, Halloween Four was released on October the twenty-first of nineteen eighty-eight in one thousand six hundred and seventy-nine theaters. Uh, it was made on an approximate budget of five million dollars. It Opened number one at the box office that weekend with $6,831,250. The number two movie that weekend was The Accused. Number three was Alienation. Number four, Punchline. And number five, Gorillas in the Mist. The other new movies released that weekend, which sucked ass compared to Halloween 4, were Without a Clue, Mystic Pizza, and Bat 21. Over its three-week run, uh, Halloween 4 earned $17,768,000. That uh, was good for 61st place uh, for the year 1988. Um, As I said, it was 61st, and that was just ahead of Frantic and Johnny B. Good and just behind Batteries Not Included and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, the number one movie in 1988 was the classic Who Framed Roger Rabbit, by the way. So Halloween 4 is in ninth place in the Halloween franchise uh, with gross box office. Uh, number one is the 2018 version of Halloween with $159 million. Uh, second place is Halloween Kills. Um, third place is the... 2007 version of Halloween, which was created by Rob Zombie. Fourth place is Halloween H2O. Fifth place is the original 1978 version of Halloween. Next up, we have the 2009 version of Halloween 2. Next, we have Halloween Resurrection, followed by the 1981 version of Halloween 2. As I said, <laughs> Halloween 4 is in fourth, is in ninth place. And it is just ahead of the final three, which is Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and in last place is Halloween 5, Revenge of Michael Myers. And 1988 was a very, very big year for horror movies. There were a plethora of these films released, uh, including Halloween 4. We also were able to see... A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Child's Play, Friday the 13th Part 7, which I think is Patrick's favorite in that series. Um, Poltergeist 3, The Blob, Phantasm 2, Hellraiser 2, Critters 2, and Patrick's all-time favorite horror movie, Caddyshack 2.
1: Oh, that was pretty fucking frightening. (laughs) let's see the the best actor in that film was a stuffed fucking gopher puppet
0: (laughs) you're absolutely right i love harold ramus to this day and he still before he died admitted he doesn't know what the fuck went wrong with that movie but he admitted he was wrong with that one
1: yeah not not enough bill murray in it Uh, in fact none at all i think is your problem or
0: when you replace rodney with jackie fucking mason that's true it's like jesus christ
1: you need to go get the core of what worked in the first one you got chevy chase but you got like chevy chase when he was like looking for paychecks chevy chase Yes. uh let's see halloween four on internet movie database
0: gets a score of 5.8 out of 10 uh the google robots 88 percent of those robots like this movie uh something called real views gives this uh, film a three out of five And our friend Shane Adam Bassett's uh, employer, Rotten Tomatoes, gives it a 31% (laughs) critic score and a 52% audience score. So that is the tail of the tape for Halloween 4. Okay. In 1978, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill brought the original masterpiece Halloween and Michael Myers to the big screens nationwide. In 1981, Carpenter and Hill picked up where Halloween left off and took Michael Myers to the Haddonfield Hospital so he could continue his mission to murder Laurie Strode. Uh, spoiler alert here, uh, Halloween 2 ended with Michael's doctor, Sam Loomis, blowing himself up along with Michael and most of the hospital. That was supposed to be the end of Michael Myers, forever. Uh, but in 1982... Carpenter and Hill went uh, the anthology route and created Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Halloween 3 caused uh, Hill and Carpenter to ditch the Michael Myers storyline altogether and told uh, the story of an Irish Halloween mask maker who wanted to use the masks and witchcraft to kill off the human race on Halloween night. Halloween 3 was a financial and critical failure compared to the original and Part 2, so executive producer Mustafa Akkad bought Carpenter and Hill out of their ownership of the franchise series and scrapped their anthology concept altogether for any future Halloween films. He decided to produce a fourth film featuring Michael Myers, the big bad that the fans had been clamoring for since 1981. Uh, You know, Patrick, I know you and I are big fans in the 1978 original. And I had to ask, were you happy to see Michael Myers return to the Halloween franchise in 88? And did you see this film in the theaters during its original
1: run? I did. I saw it on opening night. Distinctly remember it. So I was excited for the return of Michael Myers. I, you know, as much as I, you know, kind of crap on horror films that I was not a big fan of horror films and still not a big fan of horror films to this day. I liked the Halloween series and I thought I really liked Halloween one and I really liked Halloween two. I did not like Halloween three. So when they were returning to having Michael Myers come back, I was excited about the prospect. And I remember going with my girlfriend and, uh, I I think another couple to go see this on opening night and really I, I really enjoyed it in its time you know I thought it was a pretty decent film it was returning to the roots um, obviously uh, watching it for this I have some criticisms if you will mm-hmm. uh, that I uh, was less forgiving, uh, back in the day when I was 16 years old when the film came out. But yeah, I do. I, I was very excited about Michael coming back and I was very excited and I did actually go see it in the film. I put my money where my mouth was at the time.
0: Good, good. I say, cause I was just getting into, um, being a huge horror movie fan in like 87 and 88. And I did not know at the time, I guess that this one was out there. Um, I know I saw, a Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I know I saw a Child's Play and Critters 2 in the theater. I can't remember if I saw any other ones that year. But this one, for whatever reason, got past me. But once it hit home video, then my love for the whole franchise started over again. Because I knew as a little kid I loved the original. It scared the shit out of me and still does to this day. But yeah, I didn't get to see it until it hit VHS. Uh, But once I saw it, yeah, it sparked my interest and I I haven't quit loving this series.
1: I I will say that this has one of the creepiest imagery scenes that in all the front or all the Halloween films that when the deputy's sitting there rocking, watching the door and you see the the, uh, Michael's face appear out of the, the darkness, just briefly lit for a second and then disappearing again that I remember in the theater There was, there was a, there was a reaction from the audience when that happened. And I, and I distinctly remember that in this film. And as one of the, the, as far as cinematography, one of the best aspects of this film is I really thought they did a good job with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That Yeah. I agree. That was one of those sort of took you back to the original when they used to like to show you just a little bit of something just to make you
1: think. Correct. And and use the psychology. Yeah. The suspense, the knowing he's here. He's there. They don't know it. We know it. And danger is looming. Yep. Which they sort of kind of abandoned in the rest of the movie, but we'll get to that <laughs> later.
0: Okay. So Jamie Lee Curtis's final girl character for, character from the original film, uh, Laurie Strode, was quote unquote killed off via a car accident uh, between Halloween's uh, two and four. Uh, Laurie is survived, as Patrick said, by her eight-year-old daughter, Jamie Lloyd. Jamie, unfortunately, is now the main target of her uncle and the film's antagonist, Michael Myers. Jamie is played by future Roseanne star and modern-day Scream Queen Danielle Harris. We will get to the ending of this film later on, even though Patrick talked about it in the summary. But uh, what did you think of using an eight-year-old as Michael's primary target and Danielle's work in this film?
1: I, you know, I thought Danielle did a really good job in it, considering her age. Obviously Jamie Lee Curtis had evolved well beyond this film series by that point in time. And then de evolved back into it again twice later in her career. Uh, But that there was no way they were going to get her back to play that scream queen. She was distinctly had broken out of that and didn't want to return to being in just horror films. And that, you know, I, I thought the premise in light of where the series goes later <laughs> is pretty weak as far as, oh, her parents died and now she's got to be raised by someone else. Uh, and even the premise of these random ambulance drivers are talking about, you know, oh, you know, that he's got a nephew or sorry, niece uh, oh. who still lives in Haddonfield and what her name was is I, I thought that was pretty razor thin, but I think. I think the actress they cast who also returns in the next film and I think has small parts in uh, Rob Zombie's remakes. Right. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, it, sure. she does a really, really good job and has made a career of, uh, being a scream queen is an embraced it. Unlike Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, did uh, at probably at the same point in her career, but no, I thought she did a great job. Yeah. I'm
0: saying, I think, uh, Danielle did a wonderful job for being that young. And from what I understand, out of a, what, 40, 45-day shoot that uh, she and uh, the young lady who played Rachel, um, Ellie Cornell, they had to be on set almost 35 out of those 40 days or 36 out of the 45 days, whatever it was. So for being young, that's a hell of a lot of work. I mean, yes, they're the central characters but man that's a lot of work for a young girl and she stayed consistent throughout the whole movie in my opinion and never really changed the character at all i mean she did a wonderful job and i'm happy she has embraced being jamie lloyd and followed it into her adulthood and uh, shows up at the conventions and all of that and that keeps the fans happy because this is a film series that people love and she's a very very integral part of it. So not only does Michael Myers come back to life in Halloween 4, but so does Ernst Davro Blofeld himself, Donald Pleasance. Mister Pleasance truly proves that you only live twice uh, when Dr. Sam Loomis returns to the fold to hunt down his former patient. Uh, so what are your thoughts of the legendary Donald Pleasance in this film? Uh, and let's also say compared to his other work and um, the original Halloween film.
1: Well, you know, I liked the Do- Dr. Sam Loomis character a, a lot. And I think he's a crucial part of the Halloween series. You know, we didn't really see his death, although the, I don't understand how he would fucking survive <laughs> that explosion. But <laughs> I don't understand how Michael would have survived the fucking explosion at the end of Halloween, too. Uh, but when you don't have Jamie Lee Curtis, you needed something else. And mm-hmm. I I found his return a little bit more believable than the exp- explanation of why uh, of Laurie Strode doesn't return, uh, and so I, I liked him in it, and and I liked Donald Pleasance as an actor. You know, obviously I know him for Blofeld. That's another film i previously reviewed on a different podcast, and I, I and I liked him very much in Halloween one and two. I think he added a lot to it as kind of the. Uh, um, the, uh, Van Helsing to, you know, Michael Myers Dracula. You know, you have to have that heroic character who's going to try to save the day. And, and so I enjoyed him in the film. I do believe he kind of starts phoning it in as these films keep going. <laughs> um, but you know, he, he, he's not the, the crux of this film. He's just, I mean, it, it, no point does he, really work to resolve or be the heroic character. He's, he's just kind of like an intermediate who gets easily tossed aside literally uh, (laughs) at at one point uh, so that he can run some interference for, for uh, Jamie Lloyd for a few minutes or for a few seconds. Yeah, I
0: agree. I mean, down the road, he basically becomes a caricature. Um, It's just that same thing over and over again the same dialogue over and over again. But yeah, the first two movies and even this one, he's, he is crucial to making sure everybody knows why Michael is the way he is. And that this force of evil needs to be destroyed and de- forever and uh, save people's lives in the process. So yeah, I've always liked him and everything he's done. Cause he always brings gravitas to every character that he's supposed to portray. And especially in these type of horror films, he's creepy enough himself as a human being uh, in the way he presents things uh, that I think uh, he definitely stands out. Okay. So did you have any thoughts on the other cast members uh, in this film? Uh, As I mentioned, like Ellie Cornell plays Rachel Crothers, uh, Jamie's foster sister. You had uh, Sasha Jensen, who of Dazed and Confused fame, who played uh, Rachel's love interest, Brady. And then you had Bo Starr, who played Henry Hill's father in uh, Goodfellas. He plays Ben Meeker, the sheriff in this movie. And then finally, I was thinking about Kathleen Kenmont of 1980s TNA fame. Uh, she's one of many beauties who've had their lives shortened by uh, marriage to Lorenzo Lamas, but she stands out in this movie as well as the sex pod, as you put it earlier.
1: Yeah. I mean, playing Kelly, you know, the moment she's on screen, you go, okay. Yeah. She's the one who's getting naked, <laughs> which, which is, but which is ironic is that's not a precondition to the Halloween films. It's, yeah. it's where the Halloween films evolved to almost the Friday, th- fr- take the a vein out of, of Friday the 13th. Cause Halloween one and two is, I take that back. There is some a little bit of sex in yeah. Halloween one, but I mean, but it's not really, there's, you know, very little of that in Halloween two and, And it's so blatant in this one that, you know, she is such an an easily uh, killable character. Uh, Brady is, to me, unnecessary to the plot (laughs) at all. I mean, you didn't need Brady for any real reason. I like the actress who played Rachel. Uh, You know, I I thought she did a good job. And I don't believe she comes back in the next one, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, she does.
1: She comes back briefly. Okay, then. Uh, then it's my memory. I haven't seen Halloween five. A lot. I've seen Halloween four, probably about eight or nine times. I've only seen mm-hmm. Halloween five like once or twice. And it's been since the probably early nineties since I've seen them. But, um, you know, it's, you know, other than that, Sheriff Meeker's, you know, forgettable. I mean, they're, they're, they play their roles fine. I don't have any problems with them, but there, there's n- nobody who stands out. You know, I think Rachel and Jamie Lloyd are the two main characters that really kind of stand out for me. And I really enjoyed those characters.
0: Yeah, I, I really like Rachel in this one. I think she's the other um, final girl type character that you would want to have because she fights her ass off throughout this movie against uh, Michael and uh, Brady and Kelly and everything else she runs into in this one, including her parents. Um, she's a strong-minded teenage girl. She's strong-willed. She knows the difference between right and wrong, but yet she still has to walk that gray line every once in a while but she does what she has to do to save Jamie throughout the movie and risks her life in the process. And you got to respect that. And LA Cornell pulled off Rachel very, very, very well in this film. And yeah, she carries it over briefly into part five, which I was glad to see her come back in that film, even though it wasn't for very long. Um, I do like Sasha Jensen in this one. I I agree. Brady isn't a needed character, but I guess you're going to have to have a love interest for, uh, Rachel in this in some way shape or form, and you also need somebody else for Michael to kill. So <laughs> let's let's just add that one in there. And the only thing I really liked about both Star in this one as the sheriff is he's the sheriff who isn't saying, you know what, I don't believe you, Doctor Loomis. I don't believe anything you have to say. Just go and do your own thing. And I is, eventually we're not going to ever do anything about anything he always tries to protect everyone and be precautious ahead of time instead of waiting until there's eight or 10 people killed before he decides to do anything. So, and I thought he pulled that character off pretty well. Um, And he he comes back in part five as well. Um, So I appreciated him. And like I said, Kathleen Kenmont, the sex pot, as you put it, uh, I'm glad she was in this movie because I saw her in a ton of movies in the eighties and nineties. And anytime she pops up, it's, A very memorable moment for me. So let's see, much like the 1978 film, a clown costume and a cliffhanger ending are major parts of this film. I would go as far as to say that the ending of this film, for the lack of a better term, saves it. Uh, What are your thoughts of Jamie Lloyd wearing the clown costume similar to what a six-year-old Michael Myers wore in the 1978 original? and stabbing her foster mom at the end of the movie. And then also, I know you brought it up in the summary. What are your thoughts of the image of Loomis screaming no as he finds Jamie standing at the top of the staircase with bloody scissors in her hand?
1: Well, i kind of got mixed about this. I like the costume. I like the use of that connective tissue with Michael from the, a young Michael from the very beginning of the first film. I think that was clever. I would have liked it that that you used the costume for something greater than what they did. Is that it? it, it, And knowing where it goes, this psychic connection between Michael and his niece—that the next film kind of implies—is the. um, I guess that's my frustration: is that you start to get a little fantastical. I guess would be mm. the word, w- w- word that th- Halloween has always been more about suspense and now we're getting into, you know, uh, supernatural and I didn't, yeah. and I don't like that aspect of it. I, I, you know, I know when I saw the end of this one uh, years ago, I didn't like the ending because I didn't know what, what do you, where are you taking this? Is she going to be a killer, the killer growing up or are we going, is is Michael still going to be the killer? Cause as I said, no one went down and looked for his fucking body. I mean, it's like, I oh, found down the hole. We're just going to presume he died. Okay guys. It's just, that's a deep hole. I don't want to walk all the way the fuck down there. You know, that's going to be dangerous. There, there may be bats and shit, you know, so um, that, you know, that he just lies down there and then eventually comes back is, you know, that's what I presumed. Uh, Cause you didn't get a definitive death to him that he was going to come back. And he did, But I I didn't see why they needed the Jamie aspect of it, because I think if you were going to go with this psychic connection thing, you didn't you could have done it without making her kill. uh, And I guess presume that she killed her stepmom, because I don't know. I don't know at the beginning of five if they ever say that she did or not. We know that she got hurt because she's got blood on her. But uh, I don't know if we know that she died.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, and as far sorry as as far as Loomis and screaming, I thought that was probably his best acting in the scene and uh, in the film, and I like that aspect of him understanding that the 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 horror, the terror is going to continue.
0: Yeah, because that's what I was getting at. Is that is to me the scene that probably solidified this for most people. If you, I knew a lot of the fans back in the day liked it because it was a Halloween film, but I think the conclusion to this movie sunk it in for most people and it's what they remember most is she's got the Halloween costume or the clown costume on that similar to what Michael wore in the beginning of the 78 film and then she's wearing it throughout this one but then at the very end when they sort of recreate the shot where she puts the picks up the mask puts it on goes and finds the scissors and stabs her foster mom um to me That was a cool way of saying, okay, if we're going to reinvent this uh, franchise in the Michael Myers sense, let's have uh, somebody try to pick up where he left off from. Now, I'm like you. I don't like where it went in the next film, but we'll get to that another time. Um, But that whole scenario and then having Loomis stand there after working his ass off to try to get Michael killed or put it away forever and he looks up the staircase and sees this little girl in the same type of costume with the bloody scissors in her hand that shit just sinks in this movie for any, anyone and it's a great way to leave that cliffhanger there sort of like the end of the 78 movie where you don't see michael's body at the backyard anymore after being shot off the balcony so i think that was always cool and always settled for me that it's probably saved any of the little issues this movie had and gave you something to think about until the next movie and to crave that next movie. Um, And once again, the next movie sucked ass, but we'll get to that (laughs) at time. But um, I really, really appreciated what they tried to do. Uh, If you just look at this as a standalone film and a standalone moment, it was really, really memorable. And that's what you need in these type of movies is something to really sink your teeth into and make people remember it forever. let's go around the table on this one and see where we stand. So does Halloween 4 stand the test of time for you, Patrick?
1: Yeah, actually, it does. I enjoyed this back in the day. And although it has problems uh, and very much distinctive problems, I didn't dislike it as much as I thought I was going to. And I haven't watched this probably since the 90s. You know, it's been a while. Um, It was one that I did own. I owned one, two, and four for the longest time of the series on VHS. And, and they were some of the few, uh, few horror films that I actually did own. Uh, I, I, I would come back to this one. Uh, this, this would be the, the point, the last highlight for me, if you will, under the original run of Halloween before they started rebooting in the nineties and then the two thousands and then the 2010s. Um, you know, it, it it has, it hits a lot of the same notes that I like to see and it has some good visual, uh, you know, sc- scary moments in the film. Um, it does fall into some predictable tropes and mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like the ending uh, because I think it was like, you know, pick a lane. You know, is she a killer? Is he coming back? What's the way it's going to be? And obviously when I saw this, I didn't understand the psychic connection stuff where they take it in the next film. And now knowing that I really don't like, the I really don't like the ending of this film. So, um, but I, 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 there is still a lot of good, there's more good than bad out of this. So I do think it stands the test of time. I don't think there's any hope that they're going to go back to this story and revisit this with, the current lore where they're going with the current Halloween films and their plans to end it uh, this year uh, as, and probably which has already come out by the time this podcast is released. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, I do think it stands the test of time and I still like it.
0: Well, yeah, I definitely agree. I think it stands the test of time, uh, especially when you compare it to all the other Halloween films Four is probably inferior to me of to parts 1 and 3 and the 2018 version of Halloween and Halloween kills but it's definitely on par with the Rob Zombie remake the original remake and then I find it very superior to the other films in the series and and also when I compare it to the other horror films of 1988 it's definitely up there with say a child's play or an elm street 4 so, but I still think this one's a fun watch. Uh, there's some spooky stuff in it, some scary imagery, some interesting moments, kills, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I still enjoy watching this about every other Halloween season um, because I enjoy these films, especially during the Halloween time. And I think it's an interesting take on where they pick up from part two and go forward. And I really, really, really enjoy the ending. Um past this things start going sideways for me in this series but I'll still watch them from time to time but I really do think it stands the test of time I think most people who are fans of this series and of horror movies will still get a lot of kicks out of this movie and will want to watch it especially at this time of year all right that does it for our review of Halloween 4 All of our MHM Podcast Network reviews can now be found exclusively on our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel to be alerted to all of our newest releases. While on YouTube, give us a thumbs up and leave a brief review and comment of today's film and review. If you feel so inclined, please follow MHM Podcast Network on Twitter and Pinterest at MHMemories. If you can't can't find a copy of Howling 4 in a neighborhood video store, if you still have a neighborhood video store, please head over to our website at moviehousememories.com. That's moviehousememories.com. And once there, look for Howling 4 in our feed, and you will find an Amazon link that allows you to purchase your very own copy. And I highly recommend getting the collection of all the films at one time. Uh, There's a very nice collection out there. Uh, I think Shout Factory put it out. Look for that one. It's very nice. Lastly, please let us know what you think of this podcast in the comments section on our website and rate it from one to five stars on that page. If there are films that you would like for us to review, please send us an email. You can reach us at comments at moviehousememories.com. And until next time, I am Chad. And I'm Patrick. And we can hear screaming down the streets. We better get the hell out of here. And you guys are invited. Happy Halloween, everyone. This podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The theme music for Lunchtime Movie Review, Fireworks, is provided courtesy of Alexander Nakaranda at serpentsoundstudios.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of MHM Podcast Network, Lunchtime Movie Review, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC,
1: unless otherwise noted.